Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh Back at it um, after taking the Super Bowl week off uh, due to schedules and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we, we, got a lot, we got a lot to cover and, you know... I, w- I was going to say, we're at the whim of, we've kind of felt like we're at the whim of this basketball schedule and it's ebbs and flows and when games are during the week, what time those games are. We knocked out that bonus pod after the Illinois game and then everything. So it's like, we felt like, yeah, we needed a an extra week to kind of recalibrate and catch our breath. And I feel like it's, it's almost good that we did because Lord have mercy, what a, what a stretch of sports we've got to go through here. Yeah, I mean, three three basketball games since last we spoke. We've also got five softball games, and lacrosse has gotten underway um, defending their national championship. with a, Boy, have they. <laughs> a, a nice little W against Syracuse. We'll get to them in just a sec. But let's start off with uh, with basketball. Um, you know, after the overtime loss to Purdue, uh, went up to Minnesota, and uh, another overtime game, and it's back-to-back overtime games, uh, and like by the by the end of that game, like you could tell, like the leg their legs were gone, like they had nothing left in the tank, just absolutely gassed. And then to come back, beat Nebraska, and then beat Penn State yesterday um, in just a slugfest. Uh, just you know, so many different like all three of these games had very very different tenors to them. They they did. Um, I like. I don't know. I feel like I want to say one thing about Nebraska or about the Minnesota game, and then we should yeah, just yeah, yeah. move on from it. Um, Never speak of it again. Go, go for it. Yeah, it was just um, like as you know, your classic just crappy uh, post post big game. You know, I, I don't even want to call it a letdown because it, it was such a short turnaround. You mentioned how tired they were, but then I'm not gonna lie. Like we made there was a lot of of discussion of chris collins um post the the purdue game and the way he went out the way he got uh ejected etc watching i didn't watch all of it i only watched a portion of it but i swear to god the refs in the minnesota game were like taking vengeance Um, oh it just i mean it just felt like everything went against northwestern and i think I think some of that is just the nature of the way the Big Ten is operating on the road right now. Um, but it just – like, Boo ended up actually taking 10 free throws in this game. So I, I think I'm a little bit off on that. But it just it just felt so so one-sided. And then um, – I, I think we tweeted something during the game because it was coming right out of Purdue being like, look, we don't want to be that fan base. Yeah. <laughs> that complains <laughs> about the refs. But well, – and I and I think I, I I'm I'm not going to say Northwestern lost that game because of the refs. I think it was a combination of a number of factors. And I like I'll chalk up the refereeing to just the way things have tilted in home court this year. And and I think Northwestern has probably been the benefactor to some of that in Welsh Ryan, and the record reflects it. Um, and that doesn't take anything away from from the team. It doesn't take anything away away from the way Minnesota played. Like. Um, was, was it, is it Christie? Yeah. Cam Christie was, um, electric in that game. Um, three of seven from three hitting some really crucial ones down the stretch. Uh, all five of their starters were in double figures. I mean, Minnesota is greatly improved, um, from where they were earlier in the year. And I just like chalked it up to a, to a tight turnaround and a bad, a, a, a bad situation on the road on, on tired legs. I think too. I mean, the tired tired legs is like a piece of it, but I think like we're so used because coming out of that stretch, we were talking about these guys like these guys are the Terminators, right? Like mm-hmm. they've just went through this crazy three-game stretch, and it's like, you know what? They're human, and I think this team has earned the right with how low their turnover numbers have been over this season to be like, you look at how sloppy they were for stretches in that game, and just like, look, they just went through a stretch, man. Like 17 they, turnovers, extremely uncharacteristic. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was weird. just like they were, they were, they just been through the ringer. And I think yeah. because they had powered through 
with such character, we were just like, I think Northwestern Nation been like, look, they could pay 10 games in 10 days and they're going to be fine. And it's like, no, there's limits to everything, right? <laughs> and, then, and then, like Scott said, I mean, it bottoms out. It's funny, like, I was listening to the beginning of the Nebraska game and Dave Ennett referred to the exact same thing we were talking about, which is like when Ryan Langborg is front rimming two free throws, you know these guys have no gas. And that's where this team was by the time they got to overtime, right? And, right, like I think, you know, like you said, at the road in this conference, road games in this conference are a meat grinder, right? I mean, this past weekend, right, I don't think like any road teams won. And, uh, that you know, that, that combined with the stretch they were coming out of, but... Man, did they flush it? They they moved on. Well, that's that's the. I mean, we talked about we talked about this with the Ohio State game coming off of Illinois and the way they played against Ohio State and not falling into that trap. And of course, like the Minnesota game's a trap, but then for them to come back and just truly dominate Nebraska from start to finish in all aspects of the game, minus you know a little bit of a run there um, when Nebraska was was pressuring them down, down the stretch with with Boo on the bench, but like, wow. What a statement response against a upper tier Big Ten team um, yeah. after that Minnesota loss. Absolutely. I mean, just to, to come back and, and play. And you could see you, know, you had you had a chance to rest. You had a chance to recoup. Um, and like to avenge the loss in Lincoln and, and to come out the way they came out and just lay the hammer down was was really really great to see and to have that kind of roll over to the Penn State game which again was a completely different feel to that game I mean you know Nebraska 80 points you know up and down like high flying in this Penn State game was just a, a rock fight 68 63 I mean it was one of our lowest scoring games you know most for most of the season yeah I think the the character of the games being so different. It's funny you talk about a revenge game with Nebraska. Revenge was on the mind of the Wildcats. There's no doubt about it because the way multiple guys on Northwestern were aping Tomonaga's celebration. Oh my god! Boo, hit that shot. Boo did it every time he hit a three, and I didn't. I did not know in the moment what it was. Yeah, and then these guys they took it personal. And, and again, you could say that it's a little bit petty, whatever. I mean, like, these guys are, these are the kind of guys who take things personally. These are dogs. These are competitors. And they clearly made it a mission and came out. And, you know, it's funny. We're going to circle back, I think, after we talk about the individual games to some of the numbers from this team and, and the, the, the historic levels that this team is pouring in buckets right now. But... Um, it's, it's funny, like you said, like the yin and the yang of these two games. I think in some ways, Northwestern was carried, even down like kind of some squirrely moments late in the Nebraska game. They were ultimately carried by the ability to pour in offense that this team really did not have last year at this level. And then were able to win it in a completely opposite way the game after. Um, and just super impressive. It speaks to the quality and the character of the team. One thing yeah. I do want to point to is... Um, the loss of Ty Berry in that Nebraska game, that injury um, where he, he went down with the knee and, you know, it was very, very... Right before halftime. Yeah, right before halftime. And, you know, they managed to you know take care of business the rest of the way in the second half. But, you know, against Penn State, I mean, just the, the caginess of the reporting and Collins not, you know, saying anything and just being very, very quiet and, like, not knowing for sure what was going on until, you know, pregame of the Penn State game. And then to see him on crutches on the on the bench, it's like, okay, this is not just a um like a little tweak. This is not a one or two game thing, we think. I mean, I have no idea. I mean I am not a doctor nor do I claim to pretend to be one. But uh, you know, if you're on crutches, that doesn't bode well for like the near future. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Nick. Hi, um, Dr. Nick. Yeah, I, I'm not a doctor either. I, it, it's, it's a real bummer because Barry's play, I feel like, has just, has just gotten better and better throughout the, throughout the course of the year. His confidence, his scoring, um, his defense has been there all year, and it's been a really critical mm-hmm. part of, of this Northwestern team. He probably more than anyone has picked up the mantle from Chase Odish, I think. Um, 
Now, like nobody's going to match Chase Hadich, right? Like that's not what I'm saying there. But um, in terms of being the defensive stopper, and uh, I don't like in the in the back half of the Nebraska game, it didn't seem to be bothering that, that them that much until they got into press mode, and you could see like you know Nick mm-hmm. Martinelli got put into um, a bit more action, and Jordan Clayton got put into a bit more action, and at the time I was thinking, well, and then especially when Boo got when Boo fouled out, like that was that was some real like rough sledding, right? Um, but they, they, they managed to get through it. I was thinking to myself, like, this is really good for a a Martinelli, for a Clayton who have never experienced anything like this. It's probably good for Barnheiser to be out there and be, like, the go-to guy in those moments. And then Martinelli getting his first start against Penn State, Clayton playing. I mean, unfortunately, Clayton was just the, the – he he got really screwed on a couple fouls by the refs, uh, particularly the the what what should have been a charge was clearly a charge by every definition of the rule. It was not even close. I don't know how they missed it, but um, really limited his playing time against Penn State. But these are these are you know formational minutes that are are so important to building the the confidence and the ability of these guys to come in off the bench. And you can just you can see it with Martinelli, who played you know what four, six, eight minutes on occasion last year. And now dude's coming in, dropping 15 in the second half against Nebraska, you know, covering for Tiberi coming in this Penn state game. And he started slow, but he really, you know, found it as the game went on was a critical contributor in that game. This is the sort of depth stuff that is so important for Northwestern. And, and if there's one, I mean, this has been a, this has been a, a critique of Collins for his entire tenure is, um, the reliance on on starters, the you know get, getting these these minutes for not just two or three backups, but but going past eight players, we just haven't done it very often. And on it, this is probably a thing that most teams struggle with. If I'm being you know uh, totally candid, so um, this isn't a unique problem for Northwestern. But now, in the face of having a guy out, we need these dudes to step up, and hopefully, we'll see just even. A, a tick more confidence from from a Clayton um, the next time he's out there uh, against against Rutgers on Thursday um, and just you know baby steps towards a, a, a more complete deep team come postseason time. Right, I think you you make the right point, which is that like the loss of Barry, at least certainly in the short term, you're not going to feel it in the starting lineup because Martinelli is so game ready. You're going to feel it farther down the depth chart, right? You're going to feel it because when it comes time to spell these guys, you're going to be spelling them with a guy who's very green, right? Which is like, we've really enjoyed that luxury of having Martinelli coming off the bench, a guy who's growing into his own skin game by game, who has a a move, right? It's not, it's like, it's, it's nothing to be taken lightly that, that we have had the luxury of bringing a guy off the bench who everyone knows what his move is and how he's going to get his bucket, right? That lefty hook where he works himself into the baseline, like into the paint. Like, you know that in the future, Martinelli is going to be starting basketball games and we're going to be leaning on that for a lot of points and it's like well the future is now at least in the near future depending on Barry's injury right it's finding that depth and that production down the bench with that said I think speaking in terms of you have the opportunity to watch the way Martinelli's played the last couple of games and be like Martinelli's clearly going to be a starter for us in the future and we're someone like what next season season beyond someone we're really relying on for buckets I think we all know who the absolute alpha for this team is going to be next year. And, you know, Brooks Barnheiser is that dude. Um, and you can look at his performance in the Penn State game and see that he's clearly internalizing, look, a big starter for us is out. I need to shoulder a bunch of the load. And boy, did he show the way that Brooks can shoulder the load in so many ways. He put up what Matt Shelton aptly called the greatest 3 for 15 game you will ever see <laughs> in a Big Ten basketball game, right? 3 for 15, st- he hit, but he still hit seven free throws, put up 14 points, nine boards, four steals, two blocks, and two assists. He was everywhere and kind of embodied the idea that this team was just against Penn State, like, they could not throw, like, a rock in the ocean. Like, nothing was falling. 
and they did it in every other way. Every other way you can win a basketball game, Northwestern did it. And, you know, again, character of the team. 31.7% from the floor. Yeah. And they won. I mean, this was a this was an extremely physical game. I said afterwards, like I, this 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 felt to me like the most physically intense and demanding game the Cats have played to date. It was like all the intensity and um, athleticism of the way Nebraska played defense against Northwestern on the road in Lincoln, coupled with just like the punch you in the mouth um, attitude that that Illinois brought um to to both games against the cats i just i like this was a i know you know we've called it a rock fight etc but this was this was a a a physically demanding game um yeah and it's good it's good they got that extra day it's good they have have the extra day i like the the i mean the amount of hits that were just let go in this game um I, I actually went back and looked at, at Boo's stats because for several games now, I've been feeling like, God, there's like six free throws he's not getting to take a game. And he's actually getting more calls in the last couple months than he was at the beginning of the season, um, which makes me feel a little bit better from just like an anecdotal standpoint. I want to go back and look at last year too. I, like it's hard, it's, it's hard to evaluate, w- evaluate that without some stats around like usage rate, et cetera. But like, you know, you mentioned Brooks, yeah, he went three to fifteen, but he also drew like six or seven f- fouls while while in the art of shooting, and like there's a reason he went three for fifteen because they were hacking the crap out of him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that was just that was true up and down this this game on both ends of the floor, and I think like a couple of the things that stand out to me, Maddie Nicholson had a exceptional game, um, defensively. Uh, you know, re, we pulled down eight boards, only committed two fouls, which is, which is so important. And, and while guarding, you know, Wemby, um, who I like, he's not a huge, uh, uh, offensive threat for Penn state, but, or I'm sorry, not Wemby, uh, Wahab. Um, he's not a big scorer or anything, but he's, you know, the tallest presence on, on, on Penn state and spending a ton of time in the lane. And the fact that, you know, Nicholson pulled down so many boards, um, defended a lot of shots, uh, did not, um, did not commit that many fouls was really remarkable and poured in 11 points, including an absolutely thunderous dunk that kind of see, like didn't seal the game for Northwestern, but that was the first, that was the first moment where I really exhaled in the final three or four minutes. Um, and I just like the, you, you look at the prior couple games and he had, you know, four points, two points, six points, like him, him getting into double figures was absolutely critical. And the way the guys found him was massive. Um, and I just like, it's the adaptability, John, that you kind of alluded to off the top that they won this game in dramatically different fashion than they won Nebraska. And then they won Illinois and then they won Purdue. Like, like every, this team has a, a tenacity and a grit, but also like, a flexibility to them, which is so surprising when you look at them on paper and how they're constructed, you just wouldn't expect it. And it's a testament to the coaching staff and it is a testament to the guys and their buy-in and their commitment to, to each other and to this team. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat Superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312-446-9435 or jay at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand's story. Well, and Barry, too, like, the there, it says something, it says such volumes, right, that there's certainly hand wringing over Barry's continued absence because sure. Barry's so broke because Barry's so good. But what you're not hearing, which is wild when you stop and think about it, what you're not hearing is a lot of hand wringing over the fact that the three guys we were counting on to get all our buckets against Penn State went ten for forty from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> ten for forty. And everyone's like like keep in mind. 
we just recently went through a five-year period where Northwestern was starved for points, right? Like this basketball team. And now it's like 10 for 40, and we're all like, and and with good reason, because we're going to cite some stats that back this up in a second. But like, everyone's like, eh, they'll straighten it out. These are shooters. These guys can get their buckets. It wasn't dropping tonight, but you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get that part together, which is an amazing thing. The fact that every, it's just like the Minnesota game. It was like, yeah, they turned it over a ton of times in this game. They'll flush it. They'll move on. And then we look and be like, yeah, 10 for 40, those three guys, they'll flush it. They'll move on. They're just that kind of guy. Um, they're, they're that kind of, kind of team. We should mention, too, the one other squirrely thing before we move off the, the Penn State game specifically. It was a little bit lightly attended relative to the other yeah. Big Ten yeah. games, right? Um, I mean, it was, it was an early game on Super Bowl Sunday. So it was like a 12 o'clock tip on a Sunday. It's right. tough. It's tough. And, you know, everyone's, you know, dialed in for the Super Bowl or, you know, had their Saturday evening festivities you know, go on late studying, whatnot. I, again, um, I'm going to say, too, like, it's like this this fan base, this is, I mean, it's been a year and a half, but in some ways this is still new. Like, there is a fan culture that we are building in terms of regularly selling buildings out, selling games out, game to game to game. And it's been so good for the past year and a half that it's easy sometimes to forget that, like, this this was not the norm. And I feel like this is a learning experience for the fan base as much as anything is. It's like, hey, see how good it was? And then see, like, how weird the vibe was? Like, let's let's fire up the engines again. Well, and to, in, 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 in that vein, I'm jumping ahead, but, like, uh, putting our money where our mouth is on that front. Um, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. coming to Michigan. Yeah. And you guys are coming to Michigan. We will be there. Uh, it's the next home game. It's on the 22nd. It's a Thursday night. Um, I plan to be in Evanston by, I don't know, roughly roughly 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, and we'll probably park myself at one of the breweries or bars either downtown or up by the stadium. Because I love, the, I love the way you're mapping this out and we can all be like, so you won't be sober by X amount of time. <laughs> hey man, I got a good tolerance. Um, let's like, but, but this, like I, I've, I've been thinking all season, I need to get to a game. Cause I haven't, I've not, I've not actually seen Boo play in person. Um, well, and we are 45 points away from that being a very special evening. It, it, it indeed well i guess 46 points away technically, 46 but points away yeah, yeah yes yeah. yes very and and three games to go like it's those 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 cards are very plausible but so i like i wanted to get there we're making it happen um we will you know keep to keep tuned to so, social media we'll 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 get it out on twitter and probably on our next podcast too on like where we'll where we'll be and when uh but i would love to see as many of y'all as possible get to the michigan game like this is a, a very winnable game. It's, you know, there's what three home games left. Um, so you don't have yeah, that many more chances to experience Michigan, Iowa, Ryan this year. Yeah. So like get, get it done. Let's, um, let's have, let's have some fun in, uh, in Welsh Ryan in, uh, a week and a half. Absolutely. And I, I think let's, let's take a step back and kind of look at the, uh, the historical settings for, you know, where, where we are right now in the season as we're, um, you know, a third of the way through February, that'll bring you to our Lake, the posts, uh, segment brought to you by teamworks media. Um, Jay had sent us a number of really, really interesting, uh, historical notes for, for this game, kind of where we're at. Um, you guys, you want to, you want to, you know, pull some from this list? I mean, just like it's, it's, I look at I look at all this stuff. There's so many things where it's like almost this kind of like take a beat in the moment and process. Like we were talking about one of the random things. It's so easy to forget. Like Northwestern hasn't swept Penn State in a season in over a decade. That's a, like a, that was a, a team that we've had like preposterously poor performances, bad luck. Um, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, I feel I feel like this like early tip Sunday game in in February which is often a game where they give the, the basketball band a break and, and recruit some alum, local alumni to play as a pep band. I feel like it's always super lightly attended and it's always against Penn state and it, and, yeah. it, and it rarely goes well. So like that, that sweep of Penn state is so meaningful in terms of 
Northwestern establishing its its proper role in the pecking order. You know, speaking of of dominance at home, I mean, Cats have won ten of their last eleven conference home games going back to last season. Um, best stretch since uh, they've won ten of eleven conference games home games from ninety five or sixty five sixty six and sixty six sixty seven. That's just incredible. We've talked about the home I mean, the home court advantage all year. Yeah. And and it, and it's it's why we're harping on this Penn State crowd because we know we know what it can be and we know what it should be. We know we know what it was like last year where nobody could get tickets and there were lines around the block and everything else like And, th- and that's what he's been most of the season. Folks, like right. t- 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 take it from me. You you never know when you're going to find yourself living several several hours of the way and your basketball team's going to become awesome and you can't get to games like you can now. Like, take advantage of this. Right. I mean, it, there's there's just so many things. We were talking after the game that it was like, like, just take a moment. We get that you don't want this to be a big deal at all. Totally understand. I think Alan Abrahamson was one of the people who responded on Twitter with this exact sentiment. It's like, we get, you you don't want to think about this at all. We, we want it to be no big deal at all. Totally agree. At the same time, when we say that, by beating Penn State, Northwestern clinched a winning record this season overall. It's like even regardless of what would were, whatever were to happen in the Big Ten tournament, Northwestern's going to have an overall winning record this year. And anyone whose instinct is to just roll their eyes and shrug their shoulders, that's the fourth time it's happened since 2011. It's like this is all new and special. Jay said the fact that we've got 20 Big Ten wins over the past two years um and that's the most in back-to-back seasons in school history and we have seven conference games left (laughs) it's like there's no parallel for this it's all totally new and totally above and beyond and it's like feel free to savor every individual milestone and piece of that well i think i think there's a there's a piece of that that really stands out to me that makes the last two years very very different from what we've seen in the past and some of it is that home record against conference opponents that you mentioned, John. Um, and some of it just like the record we've had against um, the Big Ten. Like we've won 20 Big Ten games over the last two years. That is the most in back-to-back seasons in school history. And yes, there are more Big Ten games and Big Ten teams than there used to be. But the Carmody years... And and even those you know the couple seasons on occasion that were that were really good perf- before that like the formula was basically go undefeated non conference, mm-hmm. and then you know beat the really bad teams in the Big Ten, get try maybe not end to up, be one of the really bad teams. Yeah, in the Big Ten. Ma- ma- maybe get you know one one upset over a good team, and then hope you can like hold serve against you know the other three or four teams that are kind of kind of in that in that middle tier, and and. These last two years are not that. This no. is going toe to toe with the best teams in the conference, smashing the worst teams in the conference, building a record on on conference wins, not on non-conference cupcakes. That is dramatically different than what we've seen from Northwestern at any time in history. And the fact that it's happening two years in a row is massive. Yes, yes, there's a big conversation of what does this team and what does this program look like in the post boo-booey era, but Right now, what we're building is the culture and the buy-in and the excitement to breed success in that post-boo-booey culture. Um, but it's really just important to call out how different it is from what we've, what we've experienced in the past. I, I just want to you know point to something. I, I don't think Jay mentioned this, but I, I definitely picked up on this listening to or watching the broadcasts. You know, when people are talking about, you know, oh, Northwestern only has a few more chances to get a quad one win this season. Northwestern is a quad one team. If yep. Other other teams are <laughs> right. saying we can get a quad one win against Northwestern by beating like that, the Cats. Right. Yep. That, that that's incredible. It's the Cats have, the Cats You're have like, three three wins over top twenty teams in Dayton. Right. Two wins Illinois, over top and, ten and Purdue. Teams. Yep. Well, Illinois got, Illinois they, outside of the top ten well, as of this morning. At, at the time, at when yes, they when they. Um, Plus, plus the 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 Purdue game on the road, a floater away from beating them, and it's not like yes, the rest of the schedule here is is you know maybe a lower difficulty level, but it's still seven Big Ten games in 
a really strong conference with a extremely physical uh, style of play. And uh, I mean, Maryland on the road, Michigan state on the road. These are not, you know, top tier teams, but I think Michigan state is still a quad one team. Are they really? So like, I mean, they they were last, last I heard, I mean, I, I, I'm not looking at it right now, but like, I I know in the last couple of times, it had been brought up. Michigan Any, State had been a quad Anytime people one team. bring up Northwest, yeah. Anytime people bring up Northwestern big wins, Michigan State always gets yeah. brought up. Now, yeah, perfect. So I mean, like there, there's like people get really fixated on the net and quad one, all this other sort of stuff. Like, folks, the resume is sound. It's as sound as it's ever been. Now they have they they can't go you know over down the stretch. They have to win at least half of these games. At least at least three, probably four. Um, to feel to, to feel good maybe five i don't know i don't know what it is but um don't fret the resume get out yeah. get no, out to welsh ryan and scream your head off for for this squad because they're awesome and they're so much fun yeah there's there's i think on on one hand <clears throat> we were talking about like there's only seven games left and yeah it's like you look and you're like we've got two poll votes and there are only seven games left like the gap the gap is rapidly shortening between like us getting the horses in the barn here. And it's like, yeah, but as Scuzz pointed out, like life comes at you fast in this conference. Four games ago, Wisconsin had four less losses than they do right now. (laughs) It's like every game is super hard in this conference. On the other hand, I think in terms of we're talking about the quality of this team and what this team is going to bring down the stretch. um, We talked about this last week in terms of just – looking at the differences between last year's team and this year's team and how much of a credit to Chris Collins that is. And I think one of the the final things that we can cite in the Lake, the post segment is Jay provided a bunch of stats that back that up. Right. I mean, when anyone, whenever anyone talked about Northwestern basketball last year, they talked about defense. They talked about chase Adige on down and Chris Lowry in this unbelievable defense. And it's like, we have seven games left. Northwestern's played 13 Big Ten games at this point. Northwestern is third in the Big Ten in scoring. Third in the Big Ten. What we wouldn't have given for the vast majority of our Northwestern fan career to have Northwestern be scoring 79 points a game in conference play. Um, Northwestern in conference play or Northwestern overall this season is second in the Big Ten in three-point percentage the Cats are shooting almost 40% from three this season. It's insane. And the the kicker in conference play, Northwestern is shooting 44%. And that's the best mark in conference play by any team in the country. This is a all-gas team. And not to say they can't apply defensive pressure. They did it against Penn State. They've done it before. But this is an elite offensive basketball team and i mean that collins was able to pull that out of what this team was last year is unbelievable well and to to dovetail that with the resume like that's what the committee wants y'all they Mm -hmm. want exciting teams with exciting players who can make for good entertainment we've seen what happens in big ass games and here's the stat to back it up Boo Booey has scored 20-plus points in nine straight games versus top 25 teams. And there is only one other player that has done that this century. as Luke Garza at Iowa. And I assume this century refers to, like, a lot of time as opposed to just back to 2000. Even if it just is back to 2000, that's still, like, dang impressive. And the fact is, like, Boo Booey's a national name. Boo Booey's oh, yeah. on the radar of everyone in the college basketball universe. And he like he's appointment viewing in that in that perspective. Listen to the announcers talk about him. There, I mean there's a reason they talk about him the way they do. Like the assists that he finds, the passes that he finds in these games. I mean against Penn State, I, I remember I talked about it around um in the Purdue game, but again in Penn State he's finding these passes off off of off of drives down low that Everyone is stunned because they're like, "How did he even see that dude? How did he do that?" Um, there was this uh, there was this baller behind the back, no look pass, uh, bounce pass that he gave to Luke Hunger for a wide open three that unfortunately Luke missed. That would have been like just like the hottest shit I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but like that, 
that's a resume booster, folks. And I don't say that to be Pollyannish or to be like, oh, don't worry. Like, you know, we're going to be fine. It's like, that's legit. Guard play in the NCAA tournament is the talk of the town. And we have a dude that is a legit player of the year candidate. And that's never, ever, ever, ever been true at Northwestern before. The college basketball landscape views Northwestern as a chess piece on the chessboard of what college basketball is right now. The expectation is Northwestern and all the things college basketball fans know that Northwestern does will be in the tournament doing those things. And now we just have to seal the deal and get in because you're absolutely right. Well, they proved it last year, right? They, 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 they beat um, Boise and then uh, as, as an underdog, right, as a 10 seed. And then, oh, wait, no, no we were the seven. We were the seven, yeah. Yeah, we were the seven. Yeah. So but, but I think but they we beat, were underdogs. Beat, I mean, Boise, yeah, I think, was Boise. favored. Yep, they I, beat Boise as an underdog. And, and then took UCLA, you know, to... to Gave them everything they could handle. Yeah, a, t- a tough game. Think, like, that's, like, that, like, that matters. That matters. I don't know if... I don't know if we've specifically mentioned it before, too, but the fact that uh, Hawkes, prior to getting hurt, was absolutely tearing the roof off the NBA doesn't exactly hurt the luster of that game yeah. any. Yeah. It's it's rarefied air, folks. That's the point of this, like, the post-segment tonight is rarefied air. It, and it, it's incredible. So, And only three more chances to, to catch this team at home. Um, all three of us are going to be in attendance at that Michigan game, so make sure you're coming out. Come find us. Come have a beer. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, This Like the Post segment was brought to you by Teamworks Media. If you are looking to enhance your company's brand story, contact Jay Sharman at 312-446-9435 or email him, jay at teamworksmedia.com. Again, thank you, Jay, for for your support uh, and your partnership. We really, really appreciate it. As we move on. uh, Hoops. Yeah, hoops. Hoops, big game against Penn State. Anything else happened this weekend? Anything else going on? A couple things. A couple things. Uh, softball and lacrosse. Uh, where should we start? I mean, the spring season is upon us. You know, both both I, teams. I don't want I don't want to throw any shade at the two time defending Big Ten champion softball team, but I think we have to start with NU Syracuse. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, lacrosse uh, coming in at number one. Uh, Northwestern took care of business uh 18 15 win over Syracuse I mean they got out to a big lead early uh, I know Syracuse um started crape, scraping and crawling their way back you know made it uh close at the end but uh I mean just a dominant performance by these ladies looking to make it back to back I was struck that I mean first of all it's one of these things where it's it's so wild the way the way lacrosse works, and, and a lot of sports work this way, but I think with lacrosse, you have all these epic Titanic teams, and early in the season, a lot of them are going to try to schedule each other and play outside of conference play to, to kind of feel each other out because they know they're going to be meeting in the tournament. I mean, this is obviously what the big powerhouse basketball teams do as well. And because of that, it's so just bizarre, not bizarre, but almost hard to calibrate how massive of a game this was for how early in the season it was. And of course they had the exact same Titanic matchup to start last season too. And it was Northwestern's only loss. And I think the, to have the number five team in the country coming right in. And and I mean, you saw what Syracuse put down in this game. Like they may be ranked higher than five by the end of the season. Like Northwestern may be meeting them again in the final four or national championship game or who knows what. Um, And just, you knew also because of the tenure of last year's game that both of these teams were going to give their absolute very best. So the idea that just like the season is just kicking off and it kicks off with this titanic matchup that the whole lacrosse world is watching and then that you got such a great game where at once Syracuse looked good and at the same time it was like it was clear who the better team was and it's because they're one of the most dominant lacrosse teams you'll ever see. There's so much star power. Like all, it, like It's incredible. All the star power from last year, plus some transfers. It's like I I can't even speak to all of it beyond. I mean, the 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 score sheet alone. Uh, three of the top four scorers were Izzy Skane, Taylor Madison, and Aaron Quickendall for Northwestern. Um, 
Lindsay Frank, who I, I'm not sure if she's new to the squad or. Um, oh, she is. Yeah, oh, okay. Oh, Frank. The, oh, Frank the tank. Frank the tank. Frank yeah. the tank is new. Yes. Transfer she, from Richmond. Transfer from Rich. Okay, that that's what that's the piece of information I didn't have time to look up. But like, so she 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 scored three goals as well. Um, Samantha Smith, uh, Amante, Sammy White. Like it's. Oh God! It's just like just they're run it back, so y'all. Run good. it back, and they're so good and they're so talented and. Amante Hiller is just like at her at her apex right now, which is bonkers because Northwestern won like seven straight national championships. <laughs> it is it's it is absolutely incredible that you get like again, right. It's like we talked about it before. It's like Maddie Taylor, who went off in this game, and Sam Smith, who also had a goal, like they are they're the two who like should have been first team all Americans and weren't first team all Americans. They were still preseason all Americans, but it's like Sammy White, even who, you know, is a defensive stalwart. She even got a, a goal in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just all of these players who, you know, as these Titanic players just poured in goals. And then not unlike Haley Radigan last year, it quickly became clear that Northwestern has pulled in this absolute monster transfer uh, from the Atlantic seaboard. Um, and this time it's Lindsey Frank, AKA as the softball Twitter feed identified her Frank, the tank. And she, I mean, hat trick right off the bat right so it's as if this team needed more weapons they got another huge one and right i mean they they got syracuse's they got the number five team in the country's very best game and they absolutely delivered call this a bonus historical segment if you want um i just think it's important to call like we, we put we i feel like i talk about this every year at some point but we probably don't we're probably not as intentional about it as we should be like it is so important when considering the the corpus of Kelly Monty Hiller's time and tenure as, as the head coach of Northwestern to understand just how much the game of lacrosse has changed since that dominant run by Northwestern with the advent of the shot clock. Mm-hmm. Northwestern used to win most of its lacrosse games, like 11 to 10, 11 to seven. It was, it was a, it was a defensive time of possession ball control game. And Northwestern played, perfected it, perfected it to the tune of all those national championships. Now, they also always had uh, a handful of, of dominant scorers as well. You know, they won uh, a number of Twarton Wards uh, over those years, um, typically for, for folks on the front line. But with the event of the shot clock, the game, the game changed. It is unequivocally an offensive game now. And, you know, we talked about with this with basketball and, and just how, the program under Collins now is so much more adaptable than, than it's looked over the past eight years. And to see Amante Hiller reinvent this program as an offensive juggernaut um, has been really spectacular. And, and that doesn't mean like, like defense is still, this isn't like shootout, you know, we're not, we're not talking about like big 12 football or anything um, where it's de- defense optional. Like, the, like the cats still play excellent defense. I mean, like Sammy white is, is a, probably the best defender um in the country um but the the game has changed significantly and that's just such an internet like to frame it that way puts so much more i think into monty hiller's legacy as a coach and, and what this program is and, and has been over over the course of her time well and talking about her legacy and the program that she's built i think last season a bunch of times we use like the metaphor of georgia football to just compare it to like yeah. the way this team was <laughs> so stacked with talent and was just being the absolute tar out of everybody but another way that it would be like that or like alabama would probably be a better a better reference point right alabama during the, the entire saban era is i think to look at when a program is so renowned for so long, how that manifests itself in a couple of different ways. And I was really struck, for anyone who hasn't watching, Northwestern is doing this awesome Lake Show web series on this team where I think they've already put out like four episodes, and it's so good. But the first episode was Izzy Skane and Aaron Koykendall kind of sort of quasi-interviewing each other, but just kind of going back and forth and, and trading some different things. And... A couple of things become clear in that interview that both speak to the legacy of the team. One, they both were very aware of how good Northwestern was when they were children, 
I mean, like, young children. Aaron Koykendall specifically referenced Northwestern was the team that played with shorts, and the other girls didn't play with shorts. Mm -hmm. And she was quickly attracted to that and being like, look, this is so cool that they do this thing while they're out there kicking everyone's ass, right? And this is, she's aware of this as a child. And then they both mentioned the rules have since been changed, but they both committed to Northwestern early in high school. That's how strong, and when do you normally hear that? You normally hear that with Alabama, right? Or Georgia, or football, right? Where some guy who's a massive recruit commits super early in his high school career, right? Same with lacrosse, before they change the the rules, right? That's the kind of pull, where you have a young, a kid just starting out being like, oh my gosh, I can play there, no need to wait. (laughs) I... I will happily commit right now. And it's like, that's the, that's a program, man. That is, talk about a brand. That's like, that's what Kelly and Monty Hiller has, has built here. And man, I mean, like Scuzz said, like it has survived the change of era, the change of styles, et cetera. I mean, it feels eternal at this point there. It's just unbelievable. It's just this monster of a program. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation, and go Cats. And also, we should not forget, uh, as you mentioned, the two-time Big Ten defending champions. uh, The softball uh, started off this past weekend at the Kajikawa Classic in Tempe, Arizona. Um, Four and one. They got up against Boise State uh, early, and Boise came back to, to get the W, but then beating Arizona State, Weber State, St. Thomas, and then Weber State again. Um, you know, the, the last two games in definitive fashion, a couple five-inning games there. But I uh, want to point out, first thing I want to point out about this, this team is, so they lost by one run to Boise State in the opener. Angela Zedak didn't have a hit in that game. So you'd be like, oh, slow start to the season for Zedak, and maybe it made the difference in that game. Here are Angela Zedak's numbers since that game. She has 10 hits, three doubles, two home runs. Uh, she's been, it basically, she had a slightly slow start to the season and since then is literally tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, like there, and that was, you know, not only her, but I mean, they obviously, right. After that first game, they played with a vengeance. I'm struggling to, um, I haven't, I haven't done all my, all my, softball ranking research to, to understand like i assume arizona state is the highest um pedigree team on this list i believe so yes. i would i would assume so yeah so i mean like I, and, and, it, and it sucks at that because that boise that boise loss could have so easily been a win um all right i've got the i've got the rankings here uh asu is not in the top 25 um, neither is Boise State. So I, you know, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't played um, anyone big ticket yet. But um, I, you know, certainly that's that the, the those teams are are coming down the pike. They always, they always are. But to see them, to see them go at a a, a power five, Pac twelve team, which is always such a strong softball conference, um, right out the gate, coming off of that 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 tough loss. R- that's um, R.I.P. Pac twelve. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, LSU, I think is in the top 25 here. They, so they've got LSU next weekend. They've got Georgia tech. They've got Oklahoma state, Texas, and UCF. Um, of those teams, LSU is number 11. Oklahoma state is number 10. Texas is number two. Mm. So next weekend, big, 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 yeah. big stuff. But, it's, um, this, but the, like, I, I think the other thing that jumped out this weekend was the pitching. Yeah. So the, I mean, it's, it's, it's been huge. I think the big thing, and I think it's definitely worrisome, and, and we'll wait for news on what the situation is, but Lauren Boyd did not pitch 
Um, and obviously, if she's going an entire weekend not pitching, that means probably from a health standpoint, something's not good, right? And we'll wait to hear what the situation is there. With that said, the thing that is unbelievable is, right, the amount of not only quality pitching Northwestern got this season, but quality pitching from players who weren't weren't on Northwestern last season, which is amazing. I mean, now on one hand, you had Cammy Henry, very capable, who we know and, you know, put in tons of quality innings for us last year. Um, she's got a respectable 2.42 ERA right now on the season. Um, but it's two first years. Um, uh, Renee Cunningham, who, you know, through has had action in two games, has a .95 ERA right now. Riley Grudzelanek, which that name, I'll, I'll just clear out of the paint for you, Sam. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Grudzelanek spelled backwards is Kinalagzergurk. <laughs> oh my god, I, 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 that is, I was that, not expecting the Harry Carey that's, reference. That's beautiful, yeah, Sammy. That, that is, for anyone who didn't, that is Sam doing Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey, spelling Grudzelanek backwards. Grudzelanek um, backwards. <laughs> And that that is and that of that is because Riley Grudzelanek is the niece of former 15-year major leaguer Mark Grudzelanek. Um, Riley Grudzelanek is also clearly an amazing softball player who came out um, pitched really well. Um, 1.4 ERA again. She and Cunningham are both first-year players, and for good measure, uh, I think Grudzelanek and I want to say the last game of the weekend smashed a two-run homer. So this is a first-year player. That was her first weekend of college softball. So talk about a, a coming-out party for yeah. those two. Her, her OPS is a 1.444. She's right. slugging you... 1.000. <laughs> Three RBIs, you... a home run. Yeah, you you can expect her to, to be getting a lot more opportunities at the plate, I would say, when she's not at the mound. And yet... As good as all three of those pitchers were, they were eclipsed by Michigan State transfer Ashley Miller, who, to say she transferred in with a vengeance, holy cow, uh, through a inning when she had plenty of work coming out of the inning, uh, coming out of the weekend, uh, where she had two appearances and one starts, her ERA is the Blutarski, 0.0, with 16 strikeouts. She played in two seventh innings. They are, keep in mind, the two first two seventh innings of her Northwestern career. She faced a total of six batters in those two innings, struck out five, retired all six. Uh, she's been a machine coming in. So when you keep in mind that, again, we don't know what the situation with Boyd is right now, but man alive, the pitching uh, from all of these new additions to the club has been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what what else to say here. I mean, it, it's so impressive. I mean, really, really great start. Um, but like as you say, the the schedule is is I, tough moving so I forward. Think, I think I think that the thing right that people and I'm you know down the road we can probably get someone like a you know a Noah Kaufman who can speak on this a lot more. I think young bats is what Northwestern is looking for right now. I think you can look at the the number one through four. We, we talked about it on Twitter. It feels like a warm blanket. It's Kelsey Nader, then Kansas Robinson, then Angela Zedak, then Hannah Cady. They all were awesome this weekend. Um, and, I mean, Nader is the worst batting average of the four. She's hitting 353. Zedak and Robinson are both hitting above 600, and Cady is right behind them. Those four are all tearing the cover off the ball. But... You look at the bottom half of the lineup, which is populated by a lot of first-year, second-year hitters. Um, I think they're still kind of looking to find some bats in that area. And like you said, the degree of difficulty is about to go way up. So, you know, we need some bats to emerge there. Uh, yeah, coming up this weekend, as we mentioned, the Shriners Children Clearwater Invitational in uh, Clearwater, Florida. LSU, Georgia Tech, Oklahoma State, Texas, and UCF. Um Followed uh, the next weekend at, with the Mary Nutter Classic, uh, going out to Cathedral City, California, to take on uh, conference foe UCLA, uh, LMU, San Diego, Oregon State, and then um, you know some other. We got you know trip down to Auburn, um, take on Auburn a couple times, North Texas, USC Upstate. I don't know what that is. 
or where they're from. Uh, we got a game against NC State. They're, Boston- they're from upstate. It's <laughs> stated clearly. Sure, of course, of course. Um, you know, we got. Did you say uh, USC upstate? USC upstate. I mean, University of Southern Canada. Um, <laughs> Those San- scuzz, they have provinces. <laughs> Whatever. Where are they? I- Oh, University of South Carolina Upstate. I mean, they're it looks like they're in Spartanburg. Uh, okay. okay, okay. Oh, is it, we don't uh, look. We don't want to provide any bad juju. We have nothing but respect for USC Upstate. <laughs> nothing but respect. <laughs> we are not overlooking you. Northwestern is uh, going to give you their full and undivided yeah. attention. Well, just I mean, but like point point is like there's you know as there is every year like this is where. This is where softball teams like stake, you know, stake their claim is um, in these these big ass games against big ass opponents. Northwestern's going to get their shot, and we'll see how they, they see how they come out. Um, big Ten conference play is very different. Uh, you know, familiarity of of the teams, the grind. You're playing, you know, three or four game series over a course of a weekend. Um, as opposed to to you know seeing a big team like LSU once or an Auburn Auburn once or UCLA once, so um, this is uh, this is some fun times and and this team's going to be in in some haymaker battles and uh, we're loving what we're seeing thus far. Anything else to mention before we uh, get out of here tonight? I wanted to mention one thing um, that so on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we had someone take the time to to reach out to us in, in a way that that I thought you know was really interesting and and pretty meaningful. So we had talked on Twitter about uh, Jim Nagy, who um, I believe is Matt Nagy's brother, correct, and and a longtime figure in the NFL, a longtime NFL I think scout, and it just worked in the NFL. And he made a statement on Twitter that basically said, "No coach, no football coach." is going to take a college job if there is a remotely comparable NFL job available because the quality of life is so much better. And I don't know that, that the, this is, this is on the backdrop, like the backdrop drop of this is that with every like coaching move, um, from college to the NFL, there's this like undercurrent of, Oh, coaches hate college and they're all leaving because of NIL and players are too demanding and blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's I the think, backdrop. R- Right. So there's like a little, there's a backdrop there. And I think we saw that comment and wanted to make a statement, right? That I, I like that, that statement to say like the quality of life is so much better is making an assumption about quality of life. Right. And, and I think the point we we're trying to make is for a lot of college coaches, particularly at Northwestern. And I think we're, we're all very aware of this and Pat Fitzgerald, you know, like regardless of how the situation ended, like Pat Fitzgerald, especially within the players community as a whole and the families of those players is viewed as someone who embodied this. The idea of like developing you, like the football is a piece of it, but uh, like we at Northwestern want to offer you a whole other side of that, right? Like we want to develop you. We want to provide you with a great education. We want to do all of these things for you. Four years for 40. It's what we have all talked about right forever. And that, Fitz was not the only one. Like many people, David Braun clearly possesses those same values, but so do so many of the assistant coaches who've reached out. And that when you consider something like quality of life, you have to consider that for a lot of coaches, quality of life comes from mentoring young players, from taking a kid who's 17, 18, you know, comes in at 17 years old, but is 18 years old, 19 years old, and molding him and, you know, helping to usher him into adulthood, not just, you know, all the things that people think of as cliches at other places. Like we all truly believe and value these things at Northwestern. And it's like something we all feel very strongly about. Right. And so, so that was the point that we were basically trying to make on Twitter. And then again, on Super Bowl Sunday, someone reached out to us with just a fantastic perspective on this. And I won't name this person other than to say, this is um, someone who's very highly regarded by Northwestern fans who has key experience both coaching Northwestern football and coaching NFL football. And he reached out to us and gave a a very detailed and well thought out take, which is basically like to say 
when someone like Jim Nagy talks about the quality of life in the NFL, so often what he's talking about is family. And this coach being like, look, like when you're a pro coach and you have a family, you truly do get a lot of quality time with your family that you might not get um, with, um, you know, as a college coach, because there's so much extra work you have to do out on the recruiting trail and stuff. And at the same time, this coach also said that that is all very true. And at the same time, the opportunity to do exactly that was what drew him to Northwestern because he knew Northwestern was the kind of place where he could do that. And that it's a difficult decision that a lot of coaches have to make because there are a lot of coaches who truly do value that time with young people. And as you would expect, those same coaches value every second they have with their own family. So again, it was a great reasoned, well thought out take, the exact kind of take you would expect from the best coaches who have passed through Northwestern. Um, and we really appreciated it. And it was the kind of thing where it was like, a, it, it was great. It was someone who really had a great perspective on the issue, reached out and, and gave us a really well thought out response. So it was great. It, it was the kind of thing that leaves you feeling even better about, you know, the, the Northwestern football culture and, and some of the great um, mentors who have passed through that culture. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>